Howdy, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cowboys in the Osage, Cowgirls Edition this time. I'm your host, Cody. I got my co-host over here, as always, rodeo historian Jimbo Snively. Hey, Jimbo, how's it going? Oh, Cody, boy, it's just another great day in the Osage. You know, uh, we've got a real special guest tonight. You know, Puska is known as the steer roping capital of the world, but we've actually got one of the best barrel racers in the United States right here in Pahuska. We all watched her at the national finals last year, and she didn't just make them. She won over $50,000, placed in three rounds and, and the average. And uh, she's right in the middle of them again this year. She's just come off a big win at uh, San Angelo. She won third at San Antonio. She's only been to two rodeos this year, and she's sitting third in the world, if you can believe that. And if that's not bringing it strong enough, why, she's also a nurse practitioner and working on her PhD. So what do you think about that? We don't get that in here every day. This is the one, most, one of the most impressive people we've ever had on the podcast here, Jimbo. We're real excited. Yes, we'd just like to welcome Miss Wenda Johnson to the show. Well, thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm looking forward to spending a little time and visiting about um, this great area and what we all love the most. The Western way of life. That's what we love the most here, Jimbo. That's right. But we're pretty partial to the rodeo side of it, too. Sure, we're pretty, sure. We, we favor that a little bit. We lean real heavy on that side right here at the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum. Um, Wenda, where did you first grow up before you moved up here to this country? So I'm originally from Arizona, and born and raised, and we've previously were in Texas prior to moving here to Oklahoma. That's where you grew up, Arizona, from a young girl? Yes, Arizona. So... Uh, I like the warm weather and um, lots of swimming, swimming horses, anything to do with warm weather, uh, I love to do. What did you think back in February when it got 20 below or whatever it was? That's pushing my limit. Yeah. I, you I want told, to move back then? I told my husband, you know, we might need to be snowbirds right. uh, someday. <laughs> yeah, it got pretty bad around here this winter for a few days. World record world record freezes around here right. Jimbo. never never no one's ever seen anything like no, it no and hope we don't see it again hope we never do <laughs> i third that so you grew up in arizona did you grow up riding horses there absolutely we um i grew up on a horse every day all day um i'm uh, one of six children and um the three girls so myself and two sisters uh, we spent a lot of time horseback um, a lot of great memories and, and did all sorts of interesting things at a very young age. What all kinds of things would y'all do horseback out there? I would say probably my favorite memory, uh, you know, I was about five years old and we had these ponies and, you know, in Arizona it doesn't rain much, but you know, when it, it would rain occasionally. Um, and it seemed like we started this one day, it was a rainy day and we wanted our horse, our ponies to go fast. So my older sister, who was two years older than me at the time, had the great idea to drag a tarp behind our ponies so they would run faster. <laughs> and uh, we happened to live next to a canal bank, so it usually is really too hard to, to run on or anything. Um, but when it was raining, it was a little softer, so we thought, let's grab that tarp and and uh, see how fast these ponies can run and we sure enough did she I'd, I'd actually get in front of her you know i was five years old a little younger um she'd re reach down and grab that tarp and her little pony would get kind of worried and scared and start running and then my pony would see it too and they'd just get nose nose to nose wide open and she'd drop it and we'd get them stopped turn around and do it again and we we did that for several years anytime it rained that became our little um tradition uh Hey, it's raining. Let's go drag the tarp on the ponies. <laughs> That's how you learned how to ride those fast horses, didn't it? It's uh, definitely probably played, helped. Yes, it played a part in. Um, you know, we we rode back bareback every day, um, and um, swam horses bareback. So you know, we'd be wet. You know, the horses wet, and we'd run through the barrels bareback when they were wet. And we used to show sheen the horses and play king of the mountain on a horse push each other off you know so you had to get pretty sticky to mm -hmm. to uh be the king of the mountain on the on the horse i got shoshin on my rope a few times jimbo and that booger was so slick you couldn't hardly even throw it without your lope <laughs> loop closing up so right. think about armor all times 10 and they were putting that on their horses back <laughs> trying to stay on there 
Well, you could pretty much ride the year round then out in Arizona. I guess it might have got pretty hot at times, but you sure didn't get too cold to ride, did it? Absolutely. We did ride year round. And in the summer when it was hot, we just rode at night. So mm-hmm. we did a lot of, mm-hmm. we called it midnight riding. We'd ride all night. Um, yeah, I grew up in the city, so <clears throat> we had a little farm that was grandfathered in. So I feel like I had the best of both worlds. I had the small country field. We had a little boarding facility, so um, kind of a close-knit group of friends. And and then, um, but yet the conveniences of the city. So had the most, best of both worlds, but that meant um, our any riding out that we did was through the city, through the streets. We used to ride through the Taco Bell uh, drive-through on our horses. So um, we would just travel all through town. I think one night we went 20 miles, you know, round trip. And um, so we'd spend a lot of uh, those summer nights out riding horses so it was a a really great time and a lot of good memories what was your first horse's name that you can remember so we had a little pony and his name was uh, or it was a little uh, mare um, bonnie was her name and this little pony was pretty special my mom actually would keep her close to the backyard um, and kind of kept her on a leash now that i think about it it's kind of an interesting thing but had her on this kind of leash but that she was really close because our other horses were in the corral that was a little further away and um that pony was great because my mom now my mom's got a lot of great great qualities but she was not the best cook and uh I know a couple times I snuck my food out to her and she ate it and then I was it made it look like I ate my food but um good old Bonnie took care of it for me so um I remember that as such a young small child that um, she was just gentle and easy to be around, and then she ate the food that I didn't like. <laughs> you know, I noticed there are a lot of good kid horses that are mares for some reason. I don't know, are they, do they mother some of these kids? Because some of them don't even like, you know, an adult man, but they, they really put up with anything that a little girl or a little boy will uh, throw, throw their way sometimes. Have you ever noticed anything like that? Yeah, I think so, and I think there's a true good kid horses they have a a natural gift and maybe a a sense that they're safe or gentle around a kiddo and it's it's a neat thing that's what's great about horses few and far between though few and far between hard to find so did you do the kid rodeo thing growing up or so we actually did the gym canna so out here it's play days um we did associations called Jim Canna's much like the play days but they had more events so we would pick from 20 events barrels and poles was always usually one of them but they had other additional speed events um, and then um, I junior rodeoed high school rodeoed college rodeoed um, did you ever do any roping you know a little bit my mom tried to get us some lessons and you know really our horses weren't good enough to be a good rope horse they were all runaways and so um they would definitely not rate a steer so uh even if we tried we we would have uh, definitely missed because our horses wouldn't stop right <laughs> sometimes that makes you get it out of your hand and a little faster though jimbo yeah, rope when you going got one, to them. <laughs> one of them horses that won't rate that's when i learned to start roping kind of yeah. a little bit faster going to them when i right. had a horse that didn't see the steers in the arena right whatsoever. right so <laughs> So you junior rodeoed, you high school rodeoed, you college rodeoed. What was your record in the junior rodeos? Did you win a lot of year ends or? You know, so I, I didn't do a lot of the junior rodeos, mainly through, you know, we, I high school rodeoed every year. Yeah, let's um, jump straight to high school rodeo. Yeah, I, um, so I'm actually a, a pole bender. I love to run poles. Um, did okay in the barrels. Um, I think I ended up sixth one year and you know, enough to go to the, they have the, um, oh, out in Fallon, Nevada, they had the, it was like the secondary finals for the fifth through 10th place. So I would, I went to Fallon, Nevada, um, all four, I think actually the first two years, um, did pretty good out there in the barrels and poles. And then um, my junior and senior year won the state pole bending championship um, and went to nationals both years. What about your college career? So I ended up, I college rodeo two years and I ended up third uh, overall in the year, year in standings. And at that time they still only took top two to college. So I never went to the college finals, uh, but had a great time. And, and um, you know, it was um, 
a good experience and a lot of great people and enjoyed um, the friends and connections that we made. Are there any st- other standouts from your college rodeo team? Um, so I actually wasn't on a team. I no. um, rodeoed as an independent through kind of a local college where I grew up. Um, so it was, you know, I didn't have maybe the college rodeo experience because I didn't have a team and practice and that type of thing. Um, and, you know, s- still busy. A barrel raced quite a bit. I also quarter horse showed, um, went to the world show every year, went to the youth world show, the open world show, have a AQHA world title. I'm in the pole bending. Um, so I, I barrel raced enough and went to the big barrel races that um, I kind of just squoze in everything. So I knew that was a word. My wife tells me that squoze is not a word, but that is. <laughs> that is a word when you, when you can barely fit something in between two things, you squoze it. If she it says in. it's a word, I'm gonna, I'll take her word, word for I, it. And she's gonna, she's gonna be Sorry, pretty Lauren. much a doctor. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Quos is a word. Yes. <laughs> Sorry to get off subject a little bit, but well, when did you really get serious about barrel racing? You kind of put off your career a little bit, didn't you, for your schooling and stuff? You know, so an interesting fact about myself. Um, you know, I always just love to ride horses. So the competitive side didn't necessarily drive me. Now, I love to travel. I love to meet people, and I love to ride horses. But, you know, win, lose, or draw didn't drive me. I mean, there, there would be times, you know, I'd go to the world show or wherever, catch a barrel and kind of just shrug it off and say, yeah, well, maybe next time, you know. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really um, a, a real com- competitive in that fact or, or in that aspect of I have to go do this. Um, and so whether it was good or bad, I'm not sure. It, but what it did is help develop kind of my... Um, kind of my love for the horse and then the development side of the horse and so all growing up I enjoyed making you know having my horse walk in the arena or if I asked him to stop I wanted him to stop so I I enjoyed more the development side of it and um, so after I college rodeoed my mare that I and I trained she's the one that I you know high school rodeoed college rodeoed on but I retired her and um, and then I had got married and kind of moved away and, you know, still rode, you know, mm-hmm. married a rancher. So we got to ride every day and move cows. And I really enjoy that and being a part of that lifestyle. But I, the competitive side didn't really drive me. So I didn't had some horses I probably could have when ran barrels on, but um, didn't go enter in anything. I actually hadn't competed. You know, I'd been to a couple small stuff here and there, but you know, hadn't actually been to anything big for about 10 years um, when I originally got on the, the older horse that I ride, Flash, the black horse. And so it literally been 10 years since I rode at a high level, stepped on him and stepped right back into it and um, developed him um, for about 10 months. And, uh, you know, still had the love for it, the love for riding a nice horse, for going fast, developing. Um, and helping them become the best they can and of course trying to be the best rider that I can be um, the best horseman and so that's where I'm at right now I I feel like the the bay horse that I just competed on at San Angelo um, he's eight years old now Um, I'm the one that seasoned him and got him prepared and ready and I couldn't be more proud of where he's at he he walks in for me he's focused he wants to do it he loves his job and um, it brings me a lot of satisfaction, and that's really what drives me to to go compete um, at these big races and and be successful. Because without the horsepower, doesn't matter how good you are as a rider, you do uh, need the horsepower, especially in the barrel racing. What so. percentage do you think it is in barrel racing between the horse and the jockey? You know, I would say the horsepower is more important than the jockey. Um, in the barrel racing, you can get by if you know if we make a mistake, they pack us along. Um, and they put up with a lot of our mistakes majority of the time. So, I, you know, the true percentage, you know, I'm going to say, uh, I don't know, 80% really? horse. Um, but, you you know, if, you're, if you don't have the balance and, sure, and sure. the timing, that can be detrimental. So, um, and I think it depends on every combination. There's some horses that put up with more and there's some riders that make a horse better. So it depends on the circumstances. 
why do some of you hear of horses you hear of horses that are better in the buildings and and are some of them are better outside what what what's the difference you know that could be several things but i really think it's related to their initial training so i look at those two horses that i ride um the black horse you know they were they were taught in a real big open pen so you know kind of need a lot of room and so when i take that black horse into a real small pen he he gets a little claustrophobic and he's like nope i gotta turn i can't i cannot run into the wall there um and that's kind of his personality the bay horse who was trained in the exact same pen he's a little more willing i can move him in a turn and i can push him up towards a wall and it doesn't bother him one bit so part of it's probably training part of it's probably the horse um and there's probably a level of confidence um of you know what they see and how comfortable that horse is running at speed because we're you know we're running what 25 to 30 miles an hour in towards a wall and and they're going they're smart enough saying whoa 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 i can't i i'm not going to make that so um kind of their their safety and their protection that they have um but you you know yeah that's a really good question and and i I really think it would be come down to just circumstances and the horse and the rider right right I would assume, but I don't know anything really about barrel racing, Jimbo, that well, that's, much. That's with me too. But. I would assume the longer pins, the bigger pins, your longer strided horses could maybe do a little better, and then your more compact, small indoor pins, maybe a shorter strided horse can maybe do a little better. Like uh, you know, Sherry Servi won so much money on at the national final so many times. I don't know. That's just an mm-hmm. outsider's perspective looking in. What do you think about that, Winda? Yeah, it, you know, I I've seen both so it's hard to really pinpoint it down but i do think your your um, smaller pin horses are your little compact um more short strided horses they make these perfect beautiful turns so they make up all their time in those turns they're not maybe not as quite as fast between the barrels and um they have probably that advantage in a small pin to outrun uh, kind of the race horses in the big pin um but um, you know these horses I ride, they're, they're, they're kind of a double-bred first down dash. They are a racehorse through and through, but they have so much rate and turn that I do fine in a small pen because they'll open up between the barrels, but they'll rate down and come smoke a turn as well. So now barrel racing has changed a little bit, and it kind of started with Dash to Fame. He was kind of the first racehorse that um, his colts were racehorses that were super fast between the barrels but they came down and raided and turned because historically if you got on a racehorse (laughs) to run barrels they would run really fast but you know they really didn't turn very good so they'd get across the pin and the girls would be pulling them across and they barely make the turn but they'd catch up that speed and they'd get that speed and kind of catch up um, but the turns just weren't really pretty now you know with kind of the dash to fame type horses um they can do both and and it's pretty efficient you got a couple unbelievable ones for sure yes they're for sure they don't they don't fit in either one of the boxes really like like the ones i was describing a while ago there's some fire breathing dragons right there (laughs) jimbo there's some i always thought it was amazing when you're coming down that alley or tunnel or which whatever it is they they don't have very long to find that first barrel Yes, uh, it's really, really short. Can you score. tell when your horse has seen the barrel and, and you feel confident then? Or Oh, yeah. And, you know, you develop that hopefully long before you're ever right, there in a, right. in a short pen like that. But, um, you know, that's one of the great things. If a horse will naturally, kind of like roping a steer, when your horse naturally looks and they go to their point and they're paying mm-hmm. attention, ideally that's what we want in the barrels. You know, last thing I want to be doing is pulling their nose, hey, 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 the barrel's mm-hmm. over there, you know. So, as soon as they come out of that alley, you want them kind of looking and, oh, there's my spot, get to my spot. Right. And, it, and it makes for such, uh, not only the confidence between um, the rider and the horse making that run, but um, just more efficient turn because they're going to the spot and gonna crank right. the first. Yeah. Well, it looks good when it all works. Yep, absolutely, it's like a dance. Like last week at San Angelo at 1409, that looked good. Thank you, yeah, it was, uh, it's smooth and it's like a dance like any event um, that we're competing against the clock um, when it just goes smooth and looks great um, there's mm-hmm. something to be said about it yeah i want to go back to when you're talking about you were a little girl talking about when you're riding bareback 
you and your sister everywhere you went and putting the show sheen on your horse's back and playing making it real slick and trying to stay on and uh, I guess who could stay on the longest is that what it was right uh not only the longest but who who could um stick on there the best and we'd push each other off and we do we did all sorts of things we would stand up on them to ride we anything and everything just let your mind go wild we we did it <laughs> i don't know if you're aware of this or not jimbo but Wendy here is pretty famous for entering i think rather large barrel racings and not using a saddle so how did all this come up come about Wenda? so uh Interestingly enough, when... Bareback barrel racing for everybody that's not following along with what I'm saying. She would run her horse with no saddle and I think real large barrel races that paid a lot of money. And I don't know if she was doing it to cut weight or what, but we're fixing to find out right now. Sorry for cutting you off, Wendy, but I just wanted everyone to get that mental picture in their head of you riding bareback, no saddle, saddleless no pad nothing, nothing right no, okay yeah, all right nothing we just want to get that all all laid out there so everybody knows what we're talking about well how it came about so i, had, I actually left oklahoma city at the world show and went down to a race in waco and a big barrel race down there um, the association was called the american west barrel racing association at the time and i had compete you know did a an expo so like a practice run before the race and i did it bareback which was, it was no big deal to me. That's all we did grow, you know, we rode bareback. I could run barrels bareback. It was never a problem for me. So I did my, my expo, my practice bareback. Well, the owner of that association happened to see that and he was so impressed and excited. He said, hey, I want you to run this event bareback. And I, and I kind of, no, you know, I, I, I don't know. And he said, no, he said, no, I respect somebody who can ride bareback. My, my dad didn't let me have a saddle until I could ride bareback and I didn't earn my saddle till I was 16 years old. He said, I think it helps people's balance, their horsemanship, and I, I really wanna kind of promote this. Long story short, in Waco, I didn't end up running bareback and he'd caught me later and said, you know, why didn't you run bareback? And I said, you know, I, I, I just don't want people to say it's an advantage because of, you know, the weight, you know, cutting the weight. And he says, I'll tell you this right now, it's not, a, if they think it's an advantage, then they can do it, number one. And he said, it's um, what, it, what I wanna show is how important it is to be balanced with your horse. And he says, if you ride bareback in any of the big races, so any regional race, he says, I'll pay your entries. I said, okay, I can do that. So, so um, there, um, there was another race called Challenges of Champions in Reno, Nevada. And he called up and said, hey, are you going to enter that? And I said, no, I don't, I don't think so. You know, my mare was pretty good. The one I competed on, she was my high school rodeo, college rodeo horse. Um, but I was about mm, three-tenths off those lead horses, you know, three-tenths to half a tenth, depending on kind of how well she did. Um, so, you know, the entry fee was kind of a higher entry fee, and I thought, ah, it's, it's not worth, you know, they're only going to pay the top six or whatever. So, um, I, so I told him, no, I'm, I'm not planning on entering the challenge of champions and he says well he says i want you to run it in I'll, I'll take care of the entry i want you to run bareback oh okay sure yeah i'll do that so that's that was actually the first race that i competed bareback and you know and they kind of talked it up and got everybody excited and and you know i went and made my run and carried a bat in my mouth and i you know just went and made my run and and uh it was fun and enjoyed it and a lot of lot of people came up and said holy cow i can't believe you were able to do that and and again i mean for for me it was not a big deal it was like riding in a saddle so um i actually competed in the rest of that event um two two other of the runs bareback as well so i, I ran there bareback and then i went to a couple different region finals so like the arizona region finals and competed bareback so it was it was kind of neat and and then after that, they started having those um, kind of bareback races a little more frequent. And one thing I did notice that what I felt like it maybe did was promote um, these little girls to kind of go ride bareback and, and um, kind of promote that horsemanship balance, that type of thing. And so I kind of liked that. Well, hopefully I was a part of that to, to encourage these little girls to kind of find some balance and 
and uh, not just depend on their saddle to stay on. That's the second champion that's been at this table, Jimbo, that's told us, I was have thinking, your girls ride bareback. I was thinking the same thing. Lynn Starr was telling us that just the other day, how how much that helped her as a little girl riding bareback, she thought. and uh, Obviously it did, and you too. Sure, absolutely. And it wouldn't be like riding with a saddle for me because I, 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 I don't think I could do it at all. I'd hate to try to rope, you know, bareback, yeah. breakaway or anything. You know, it just wouldn't. I'd like to get window on this one of these uh, relay race teams that's going to be going on here, here in the, in the next few weeks. I did right. actually bump into a gentleman that came to check out the track, and he told me they were holding the relay race. And I was like, what? I want to come watch. And I happened to be on a horse bareback. And he says, hey, uh, I'm actually looking for <laughs> some more some more horses and and um but it it really piqued my interest um we sprinted horses bareback all the time i'm you know i mean it's been a while since i've probably sprinted one bareback but but it's um i mean i sprinted bareback ran barrels bareback um it second nature when you're doing it all the time how often would you place in a barrel race when you're running bareback um so i only did about six or seven runs bareback and I think I placed in majority of them. Um, the Challenge of Champions, I still got outran. So that first time I ran bareback, um, I didn't place. But I was, you know, competitive. I mean, it made a, a competitive fast run, just wasn't in the top um, top 10. I think I was like 12th or something like that. But the other the other times, um, I, I did place in the 1D, you know, in the top, whatever they placed through, so... It's unbelievable. How can people watch that on, on YouTube or something? Winda, how can they find that? I actually don't have it on um, on YouTube. Um, the Cowboy Channel has a copy, and okay. they, they aired it. Um, and I don't mind, you know, sharing it. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it's actually just not out there. I don't have it um, posted anywhere. Seems like I've seen some. Uh, oh wait, you know, actually, some of you running bareback on YouTube or somewhere on uh, online somewhere. That's where I saw it, and it was it was unbelievable, Jimbo. So no, it is on Facebook now. Actually, I take that back. So it's on my um, professional page. My fan page. Sister, yeah, the fan page. My right. younger sister manages it. It is on there. It's one of the first videos um, posted on there. So you're not the only. Uh, person in your family that's been pretty successful in the horse business. Correct. I don't know that much about your sister, but a lot of people do in this nation. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about her? Absolutely. So my sister, Wileen, is um, quite the, the cult starter. She's great with a young horse. Um, she can get a lot done in a really short amount of time. Um, can kind of build their confidence through pushing them through things. And, and you know, she that's her forte so she's done really well they have these um mustang makeover competitions um it was a lady that wanted to try to find an avenue for all these wild mustangs that um really didn't have a place to go um she started a program that these trainers would get them for 100 days show them you know have a competition and then then they'd sell them to the public so instead of buying a 25 dollar wild mustang you could at least go buy something that had 90 days training, 100 days training, um, and at least somewhat be safer for the average person that wanted to go save a Mustang. And uh, so that really fit her program, riding her horse, you know, riding a horse in a short amount of time and getting a lot done with him. I mean, she she could do lead changes. She could do, I mean, anything and everything, circles, stops, lead changes, um, lay them down, whatever. She, uh, it's definitely her forte. And... Um, she was, you know, the first woman to ever win one, first person to win two. I mean, she, she did really did well in that sitting setting and, um, she's done some judging at these events now, but, um, but now she's a clinician, um, goes all around and helps people with their horses, um, gives lessons, but she also just competed in the road to the horse, um, as a wild card to, um, try to win a spot to be a competitor for the next year. That's pretty prestigious right there. What was it like to ride at the finals last year? You know, for me, so, I, you know, I, I don't get nervous. Nothing, really? nothing bothers me. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, I 
find joy and enjoyment, whether I'm at the play day like we were last week. I love that just as much is going and running at a big race. And so, um, yeah, never once got, you know, I don't get nervous. doesn't bother me. You know, ultimately all we're doing is going out and turning three barrels. Um, so the quieter my mind is going to be, the better I'm going to be for my horse. Um, and so I do think the mental side of competing is really important. Um, keeping, keeping everything focused, keeping your butterflies under control. And, um, so, Ultimately, I enjoyed the experience. I know that it's quite the accolade and accomplishment, so I was grateful for that. And, you know, I was, more than anything, I was excited it was in Texas. Right. I was like, wow, I'm going to be a part of, you know, the finals. It's in Texas, hasn't been here since 1959. And and um, so that really excited me. Um, also, those horses that I ride, they're, they're, they live 15 minutes from um, that facility. So it was really convenient. They stayed in their stall every night. And, um, that, you know, I felt was, um, was a huge benefit for them to be so close to home. And, you know, we had great weather and there was just a lot of good things, you know, right. minus the, the whole COVID, um, mm-hmm. issue sure. that changed up. I think the whole feel of everything, everybody was pretty quiet. Everybody kind of had to keep to themselves. We weren't supposed to even really go socialize. They really discouraged, mm-hmm. um, once we were checked in and, you know, that we were COVID free, that we, they didn't want us out and about and, um, you know, like I never went to the trade show or anything like that. They canceled all the autographs. So I know it changed the dynamics of the finals um, that maybe it was a big draw uh, for, for a lot of people to say, I want to make the finals so I can go do this, be mm-hmm. that and feel this. And so it had a different feel, I'm assuming, from how the previous years had been. Um, but it was still a, a, a great accomplishment and, and an exciting thing. And, and I'm always up for anything. I mean, I'll, I'll go run wherever. So, um, any, any chance I get to go have a good time and, and, um, ride at a high level, then, then I definitely try to and enjoy it. I'm curious though, how you kept from getting nervous and, and not think about the money you were running for, because if you could model that and sell it, that'd be yeah. worth a lot of money. <laughs> so I developed that at a really young age, fortunately. Um, luckily my parents were, my mom was a great coach, um, and taught us from a really young age, um, how to, kind of stay focused, but more than anything, she kind of taught us to enjoy it and go have fun. Hey, go do the best you can go have fun. And so it might be partly my personality, maybe my lack of um, conviction in the competition pin that I just didn't, that's not what drove me. So it didn't, you know, whether I won or lost, it didn't really matter. Um, You know, luckily my parents were supportive enough that, you know, win, lose or draw that, wasn't a big deal. And so, um, so I think that's where I developed kind of that mental toughness, um, or keeping the focus. Um, but yeah, I don't, I can't even remember the last time I I got nervous at a, at a race. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Cause you see the best cab ropers in the world, you know, and, and they'll go and get in those go rounds, those big high dollar go rounds at the American or the national finals. And they'll make a, they'll fumble their tie just trying to be so fast and mm-hmm. going for that kind of money, you know. So, so that's pretty pretty special when you can just tune that out. Yeah, and you know maybe my um, showing at the American last year, you know I was on a young horse. He was only seven. He really didn't have any rodeo experience, and so I just worked on. I use that. I feel like I use every race as the as an opportunity to continue to develop the horse. And so here I was. I was getting him used to being by the bucket shoots and kind of just taking my time with him and making sure he's handling the noise. And, and I just went out and made a run and he happened. I mean, it was the fast time of, of the barrels. Um, now I didn't feel, I didn't finish up. And the next day I, I still was, I was a little slower. So I ended up third last year, but, but um, I still used that opportunity just to kind of build his confidence. And, and I think that showed in the, in the first run that I made. It was real smooth. It was easy. I wasn't tight. He wasn't tight. Now, he got a little worried the, the second run I made on him. He got a little scared. Somebody kind of cut him off. Before, right as I was going in, somebody walked in front of me, and it kind of scared him, and he backed off. And then he got worried, and he got a little tight, and I got a little tight. And you know what? And that all... you know, our run wasn't as good. My second run wasn't as good because he was tight. I was tight. And, and that's the difference between winning and losing at that level and, um, probably really cost me, but you know, I was on a seven year old and 
he he had to learn to kind of work through that and um but you know me mentally i wasn't i wasn't worried about oh if he didn't go in you know i've always looked at it too if if you can tell your mind what what is the worst that's going to happen because usually fear um is a big driving factor of i might not be good enough i might lose all this money whatever it is but it, it usually is fear that controls us and gives us oh i might not do good enough or oh i might miss this or i might do that and I, you know I, I think i figured out a long time ago what's the worst that's going to happen you get run off with or you catch a barrel or you turn in front of a barrel and you know what those things do happen and is lo- the moment that you can figure out that you know what that can happen but let's just go do our best. And as long as we're, you know, like if I stay nice and soft and ride them to their point, the chance of that happening goes down significantly versus if you're like, oh, tight, tight, tight. Oh, something might happen. Something might happen. Oh, now we just ran up the fence, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I think as riders, we create a lot of those issues that happen. And so that's why that mental game and keeping, keeping our nerves calm and cool is so so important and and i think it takes practice and i think some people have an easier time at it than others but um if anything you know if i ever help like a young kiddo or anything that's the one thing that i really try to help them with is being able to keep those nerves under control go focus on what they need to do and just really break down um every aspect of the run and if you know because how many times have you ever talked to somebody that after they make a run or go rope a steer or whatever that that they don't remember what they did they were just, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know how I did that. Mm-hmm. And I know in the barrel pen, that's pretty common for a lot of these young kids. And so if they can, I get them. So like first, hey, you're walking in the in the alley. Okay, now you're running to the first, you know. Okay, now we're turning the first. Now we're running to the second. And if I can get them to break that run down, they, they kind of take a big deep breath and realize that they're just breaking down each aspect of the run. And, and I really want them to, to find the feel that when the run feels so slow to you, then that's really where you can start having some success. Like, you know, the black horse that I run is so, so fast. But to me, I'm like, half the time, I'm like, that's all you got? Let's go faster. Like, hmm. I'm, to me, he feels slow, you know, because I'm kind of riding with him, maybe just a little ahead of him. And so that's why I really try to push these um, younger kids to, to kind of break it down, take that deep breath and focus on each aspect. And then and I think that's where success can come after that. I think that's some great advice right there. You know, a lot of ropers, they, they told, told you to take a deep breath, but they didn't ever explain why to take that deep breath and uh, to focus a lot of times. You know, uh, guys like your granddad, they took it for granted, Jimbo, what they were doing. And uh, they didn't put it into words like, oh, when to hear a lot of the old guys that I knew. Right. Well, and too, when we're a little calmer, it will, it does help that horse. I mean, you think about, you know, as soon as you get a hold of a horse, you know, they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, what do you need me to do? And so if you can kind of stay calm, I mean, even if you have to have contact to their mouth, but it's just more of just like, hey, Okay, get ready. We're going to do this versus kind of snatching one. You know, even that alone, just that little bit of a change and taking it a little more in stride makes a big difference, um, even for your horse's mental preparedness for the run itself. And I, you know, and I, I'm not a roper, so, um, and rope horses are a lot more mentally sound than most barrel horses. But, um, but I know that definitely helps the barrel horses just so that they can stay a little quieter and focused and, um, it can go a long ways. Last year at the finals, I remember partway through something happened. What what all went on last year at the national finals on your horses? So the, the black horse was out. I couldn't use him. Um, I ran the bay horse uh, the first four rounds, but I actually hung a leg on him the first night. So he got a little sore. He wasn't lame or anything, but kind of sore where he just didn't want to get in the ground and turn. And part, part of the ground, now every barrel racer probably complains about this, but <laughs> the ground, <laughs> the ground was pretty sticky, sometimes too wet. So a lot of great horses this last finals did kind of struggle with the ground. Um, they weren't really wanting to get into the ground um, and the bay horse included. And so I finally, um, after the fourth round, um, 
switched over to a horse I borrowed. Um, it was a, a seven-year-old stud, SR Industry Titan, who um, kind of like a week before I lined it up, um, so I'd never rode him. I got him a couple days before the finals, but they hadn't competed on him since September. He needed shoes. I mean, he was long, and he was out of shape, and I, I you know, I would have probably got on him sooner, but he was literally just out of shape. And so I kind of, you know, I thought, well, I better leg him up a little bit more before I go run him. So, you know, I, other than the one practice, the one morning, um, I hadn't taken him through the barrels. Um, so really my first run on him was the, literally the first time I ever went and made a competitive run. Um, the guy that, um, trains him, uh, his name is Troy Crumrine. He trained him, rode him, did really well on him in the futurity and derby world. And, uh, you know, here he's a, I don't know, five, nine and 180 pounds or whatever, a little stronger. And he, he told me, he says, I, you know, I asked him what, what do I need to do um, for this horse? He says, ah, you can ride him however you want, bend him. You can keep him straight. He'll listen. Well, he just rode him a little junior cow horse. I mean, nothing, a little bit. And so he says, I kind of hold him and let him run through my hand a little. So I think that was my only mistake because I hadn't competed on him. When I came into my third, he, I knew he w wanted to really turn that third. Um, and so I, I didn't quite keep him picked up enough to get around third. So I changed my bit. Um, and then I was able to get around him the next three nights, um, placed twice on him and, uh, for, for never riding him, I was just so pleased with him. He listened. He was quiet as quiet as can be. I mean, he handled all that pressure. He looked like a rope horse out there just trotting around, just gentle and easy to get along with. And so luckily I was able to use Titan, the stud, and it gave, you know, I, we had to go take Mac to the vet. He got in, you know, he had his SI injected and um, was was pretty sore. Um, but it gave him those days off. Then it came back, and I was second in the ninth round. And I think I would have been third in the, the last round, but caught a barrel. So, um, so you know, not necessarily the finals I was hoping for. But, um, and the, the black horse was out, and that horse is unbelievably fast. Um if I were to run him, that would have been a good pin to run him in. Um, he doesn't do real good in the in the smaller pins, so um, I was was hoping I could have used him. But um, he, I got an wreck in on him in uh, Lawton at the rodeo in Lawton, and he chipped his knee. So um, he's still on you know stall rest. They're just barely starting to kind of exercise him. So we'll see if he comes back or not. But um, but that was kind of my finals experience, and and um, you know that's kind of how rodeo goes and. The, that's the way I looked at it. Yeah, you know, we didn't we didn't place tonight. Oh well, let's move on to the next. And I just tried to focus on what needed to be done, and and it, it you know turned around a little bit for me. And uh, if if we go back this next year, we'll try to go get them this time. Where's the finals going to be this year? What's, you know, your, what's your best guess? You know, I really do think it's going to be back in Vegas. They they have the five year contract left, right. so they'll be obligated as long as the states opened mm -hmm. up then they'll be obligated to go back and finish that contract. Um, so I kind of have a feeling that it is going to be in Vegas. Um, you know, Reno, they're saying they're going to have Reno 100% open, and that's in Nevada. So surely by December, things will be open enough in Vegas that they'll, they'll actually have it there. Well, I saw some of the California rodeos kicking off, so that's, mm -hmm. that's a positive sign for, uh, for the rodeos for sure. For sure. Well, that's something else. To get on a horse, you never even ran anywhere. He hadn't hardly ran anywhere, you know, to speak of. To beat the best in the world, you know, at the finals of all places, that, that is pretty amazing. The national finals right. won $50,000 on him. Right. That's, a, that's quite the story. I don't think anybody, anybody, they would have been searching everywhere to horses, been there, done that, I'm sure, instead of getting a horse on one that's mm -hmm. never ran in that kind of environment before so well you know that might go back to my experience as a child growing up uh, my mom put us on all sorts of horses I mean we rode anything and everything and we fixed a lot of horses so you know getting on the horses that we have now in the barrel world they're like so easy to ride compared to what I rode growing up most of them that were runaways or gate sour um we we got a lot of free horses that people had either ruined or couldn't ride and you know that's what we rode and um you know horses that had problems and that's where i kind of gained some of my skill and maybe my timing that works for me 
Um, but so for me to jump on something is no big deal. I I'm like, Oh, this is easy. Half the time. I'm like, this is the, the easiest horse I've ever rode, you know, compared to getting run off with. And I got ran away with so much as all through, you know, high school and all that, um, that I'm pretty comfortable on a horse wide open. And, um, and so, um, I, I, uh, that's maybe where my mentality came of, oh, well, what's the worst that can happen? They're going to run off with you. And, and, you know, one time that, that actually the mare that I high school rode in college rodeo on, she, she was quite the runaway. And, um, one time I think my chin strap broke or something, I don't know, something happened and I was running poles on her and I think I was trying to hack on her and that chin stroke chin strap broke and this mare took off with me and I was in this real big arena I mean big arena and I mean she made I don't know four five six laps and I just let her I was like well nothing I can do I just almost queen waved I thought ah here we go might as well just do a little queen wave while we're running off and luckily my sister Wileen was there and she happened she was on the fence and she as that mare kind of was running by she she grabbed a hold of her and got her stopped and because she was not stopping for me and um, so, you know, I got pretty used to um, those kind of horses. And and um, so, yeah, to jump on another horse. And I knew that stud was really, really nice, um, competitive, ran at a high level. So I was pretty confident, and especially when, when the guy that trained him said, oh, yeah, he'll do, you, you can do whatever you want. You want to pick him up and curl him around or you want to run him straight? Or, and I said, okay, sounds good. Let's do it. It's a lot of confidence in yourself, too, <laughs> to think that you can just get on this horse you've never ridden before right? at the National at Finals the National Rodeo. Finals. That's a lot of confidence in yourself. Yes. She's got ice water in the veins. I think <laughs> so. I think so. She got, she's going to have to bottle that. You don't get nervous at up. the National Finals. That's ice water in your veins. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, really, I'm just having a good time. I mean, ultimately, I mean, mm. I just feel blessed that I get to ride – great horses go fast and um you know enjoy the experience and and i'm i feel blessed enough that i realize that people try their whole lives to do this and here i am getting to do it and so i just kind of have a lot of gratitude involved with it and i'm grateful for each step and you know what i know by tomorrow it could change i you know who knows they can get hurt they can do whatever and then then it's gone that quick and so just try to enjoy each moment and um you know, I've gained a lot of friendships through it and gotten to know, you know, all these girls at the pro level, you know, and I'm the futurity world and, and it's just been really nice. And, and so I just try to remember that, you know, I'm healthy and blessed. I got a great family that's supportive and, and, um, you know, just enjoying what I love to do, which is ride. When you're on the road, do you have any traveling partners? No. So the, um, so I don't go a lot. I typically keep it, I try to only go once a month, you know, twice a month at the most, so I don't go a lot. Um, the The horses are down in Fort Worth, and so the owners will usually um, meet me at a race, or, or I'll go down there, jump in with them, and then go. Um, but, uh, you know, I haven't really traveled that much. Last year, the only trip I made was I went to um, only one rodeo over the fourth, hit Prescott, but the real reason I was going out was for a big barrel race. So went out to the big barrel race in Utah, did really well there, won that, and then went down to Prescott, just hit the one rodeo over the fourth, broke the arena record, won Prescott, um, and then came home. And uh, so really, I've only made a couple trips like that. I haven't went anywhere further than that. And um, I did go to Kansas um, last year, so but not too far, went up to Dodge and Phillipsburg, and that's about it. So I really haven't made that many big long trips. Now I am thinking about going to Reno, so that'll be the furthest that I'll that I've taken these horses. Those other girls probably hope you don't go to a lot of uh, rodeos. Maybe. Out of the twenty four rodeos you went to last year to make the national finals, how many of those rodeos did you place in? You've had to heard uh, this. You know, um, I think most of them. There was a couple. Lawton, I, I got in that wreck, I didn't, so I didn't place there. Um, I caught a barrel at one or two of them to, to place or win. Um, but most of them, now I didn't have any luck at Dodge. 
The, she remembers all the ones she didn't mm, win at. Right. Well, yeah. it's easier to remember the ones she didn't do any For good sure. at than the ones she did. And I, and I think that's kind of it. Um, and I, we had two goes at, at Dodge. So I rode both the first horse, and he slipped pretty bad and got got pretty sore. And then I rode the second horse, and he slipped. So no luck there. But everywhere else, because I hit Phillipsburg Place there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, about placed everywhere we ran at. Um, that's what you went for the place. Yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. And they're, you know, I, I'm grateful cause they're, I'm mounted. I mean, these are right. high level, great horses and, um, have the ability to go uh, win it, if not place. The thing about these Jimbo is last year with that, with the COVID and everything, <clears throat> there wasn't that many rodeos to go to, mm-hmm. you know, I think the next one closest to her, she went to 82 rodeos and she went to 24 Winda here. But everywhere she went, it was the top 15. It wasn't like she could go off to somewhere where the top 15 aren't that weak. Right. So sure, that's pretty darn high winning percentages against the best in the world every time you pull up somewhere, Jimbo. I don't – it's some of the highest winning percentages I've ever heard. It sure is. You're going to have to do some of your rodeo historian on that <laughs> and come to find out see where she ranks on the winning percentages for a year i think it's uh well i think it's an unbelievable just going to two rodeos at this late in the season here it is the first of may and and sitting third in the world is is proof right there it's all the proof in the pudding right there (laughs) well and i think you're right cody because last year was such a unique year and everything was canceled the 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 entry numbers at each rodeo were pretty much double because they were just willing and trying to go to what they could go to. And, um, and I kind of felt bad for him last year. Everybody was dragging it. Nothing, nothing made sense. Like usually you could kind of go to an area and go hit three, four five rodeos and then kind of make a circle. Not last year. They were going up to Idaho and then to Wyoming and then back to California. Not well, went to California, but you know, I mean, they were just back and forth and drag dragging all over the place. So it was just such a tough, tough, tough year. Um, for everybody really going down the road and um, and I hadn't ne- initially on and I maybe I shouldn't say this out loud but I didn't have the NFR as a goal originally that you know actually I just wanted to make top 40 so I'd be eligible to go to Fort Worth because um, these folks that um, own these horses that's where it kind of all started for them they went to Fort Worth saw these horses run barrels and they're like our horse could do that and so I, I, they finally, wow, we just want our horse at Fort Worth. And I says, well, I guess I better get my card, you know, okay, I'll, I'll go to Fort Worth if you want. And so I got my card and then that was the, the year that they actually limited Fort Worth. So I hadn't been to any rodeos, so I couldn't go to Fort Worth. So then I said, you know, this last year, I said, well, we'll go to enough, make top 40, um, and then be eligible for, for Fort Worth and some of those winter rodeos. And, uh, I had went to kind of the same as this year i went to san angelo and um, san antonio and did well at both and then COVID hit and so then when may june rolls around and they kind of opened everything back up and started having rodeos again i was sitting in top 15 so i thought well maybe i ought to go to a few more since i'm in the top 15 so really it was just a, a unique situation and it kind of turned into uh, we might as well go to a few more and stick in the top 15 and see if we can go run at the nfr um and so it was um, probably good for me to kind of push me to, to get me to go travel a little bit more than I usually do. Um, like I said, you know, I, I really try to keep it once a month. You know, that's kind of perfect for me. You know, I feel like I do a little part-time of everything. I, uh, you know, of course, I have my family. We've got two little girls. and uh, But I work part-time, you know, and then run barrels part-time. And I kind of part-time this, part-time that, and go help my husband on the ranch and help the guys. And so that's that's nice. So I, I don't want to be gone a whole bunch. And it just happened to work out pretty well that I only made a couple circles um, last year in the with, to go hit some pro rodeos. And it, and it just worked out, and it was kind of a, kind of a great experience. Well, it looks like you're well on your way to another great experience, maybe. Well, hope so. I mean, you know, the the – thing with rodeo is you don't know unless you go right so i you know now i feel like okay i'm gonna go ahead and try to go hit a few and um i had happened to call 
um, right prior to San Angelo, um, what the actual rodeo count was going to be for this year. Last year, they had dropped it to 10 because of COVID. And so um, I found out in February, they had announced that it is going to be 10 again this year. And I thought, okay, good. Okay, 10, 10. That's perfect. Because historically, it's always 25. And so me making it in on 24 last year, I think is kind of the, the record low. It's never happened before because you actually had to go to 25 to be eligible to, to even run at the NFR. So, um, but this year again, will be um, only 10 for the requirement. So, um, so I thought, oh, well, I can, I can hit 10 this year. <laughs> so, um, so we'll see, I'll just go do the best I can. And um, I'm, I'm down a horse. I have just Mac right now, so I'm going to be really careful about where I run and make sure the ground's good. Um, there's they have a young horse that's um, did pretty good in the futurity world, but he hasn't he doesn't have any rodeo experience, so um, I might potentially be able to ride him. Uh, and where, then, where's the black stud? Is he in the bullpen? The so the the black horse is um, he has that chip knee, and he's they're just starting to exercise him. The stud that I borrowed at that's the NFR. What I meant. They said I could use him anytime, yeah. so I could call him and say, yeah, hey, I need him at Reno, or I need him here. And they said, you call me, and he will be there. Yeah. So they were very kind, very um, helpful, and I was grateful for them, and um, that's a nice horse. Yep. He's level-headed and easy to get along with. I was blown away with him, let alone you know just a horse, but for being a stud, even even better. So I was really impressed with him. What's a barrel horse like that go for now, Winda? Oh my goodness! Do you, I mean, do, if you, you can put a price oh, on them, so they'll you know you're you're looking at a minimum. Every horse there that ran at the NFR, they're at least a minimum of two fifty. I mean, you just straight across the board say these are at least two hundred fifty thousand dollars horses, and you know, really, a horse is worth what somebody's going to pay for them. Um, some of those barrel horses have went for way more some for less. It just, it depends. Um, you know, one, they, they gotta be sound. So they got a vet. Um, but you know, I've heard some of them going anywhere from three to 600,000. I mean, it just, so it just depends, depends on the horse, how consistent they are, how easy they are to get along with, um, their age. I mean, there's a lot of factors, you know, how much money they've won. You take a, if you're familiar with, um, like Haley Kinsel, she's done unbelievably well. She had great finals. That mare, I have no idea how much she's worth, but she is worth a lot of money. She's won. That'd be interesting to know how much she's won. She's won a pile of money on her. She's won the American, what, however many times. Um, she's had great showings at the NFR. Um, that mare is, is definitely worth some money. And, and even if they never sell her, they can sell their eggs. That's a big, big thing as well. So they sell the mare's eggs. And who knows how much somebody would be willing to pay for just an egg to get a, get a full from that mare. She is unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. What did the go rounds pay at the finals? First? I think twenty six thousand, just yeah. over twenty six thousand, and it was um, initially they didn't think they were going to have that much money, but because they could mm. sell tickets, they were able to get the um, the normal payout, yeah. and which was which was an added benefit for sure. Well, I was at the first national finals girls barrel racing. I was only three years old. Don't remember it, but Jane Mayo. Won the average, placed in all four rounds, two firsts, a second, and split third and fourth, and she won six hundred sixty-three dollars. Mm. So, Barrel racing's come a long ways. Uh, I'd, I'd say so. Tell her about the ground up there, Jimbo. At that well, first, well, it, it come a, a blue northern that night, and uh, just turned extremely cold and got down in the teens and the wind was blowing thirty mile an hour. Mm. It was sleeting the next morning, snowing. The ground was froze. And it was just unbelievable conditions that they ran in. And the next year, they moved it to Scottsdale, Arizona. They had <laughs> enough of that. Yes. <laughs> that was a smart move. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine those conditions. And, um, and uh, you know, the horses back then were so tough. It had to be. You know, I, th I think now we've kind of bred that out of them a little bit. Mm -hmm. They step on one little stone, and they're like, mm -hmm. oh, I can't mm -hmm. do anything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially, I think, because horses have become so specialized now. Each event, they kind of bred for their own um, bloodlines that they like. Mm -hmm. But, man, back then, the horses were just tough. Yeah. Well, my dad ran the uh, the chute uh, for the team roping and the steer roping, and he went and sat in the car during the barrel ride and just trying to warm up because he was about to freeze to death. But they had a big fire built right there by the chute in the heading box. Mm. You know, that's how cold it was. Ooh. 
And, and Joe said you could put, uh, leave any water in the barn. They had a good barn, but if you left any water in your bucket, it'd be froze solid. Wow. So that was how the first finals went. Wow. <laughs> well, it's came a long way since then. Yeah, I guess so. They have it in the middle of December now, but it's yeah, not. Uh, it's covered, isn't it? It's covered. It's heated in there. Ground's not frozen. Mm-hmm. Right. It's for a lot more money than six hundred sixty-three dollars. Yeah, and rodeos come such a long ways. Oh yeah, it, it's um, unbelievable that you know really how fortunate we are to to get to do kind of keep the lifestyle we love and uh, keep the Western heritage alive and and go kind of promote what cowboys really are. You know, and and uh, it's it's pretty neat and and now it's just great that the time that and money that they invest that they can actually recoup and, and that yeah. says a lot. And that's made the price of horses go way up too, hasn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the she was on T V the other night and the whole nation saw her. Everybody with that channel that wanted to watch the channel that night, you know, they saw Winda right. take that money home from San Angelo. Yeah. And then it was on Facebook shared all over the country all over the world i forget how many views was on that but it was 14 or i, I don't know i'd hate to say but it was several thousand views yeah. on that run huge amount of views on that yeah, run it's unreal do you ever think about that how many girls um were in their living room or backyard or arena and they're pretending to be you do you ever think about that Winda? you know um you know not really and that's my so my younger sister was like you have to have a you know, Facebook page and, and I'm not a big social media fan and, you know, and I'm not going to train horses. You know, I, I don't want to do that full time. I, I don't want to take any outside horses. So from, I don't want to do it as a bit from a business standpoint. So it's really never interested me to kind of put myself out there because usually that's, you know, you want to, you want to make a business of it and sell horses and that type of thing. So you put yourself out there. And my younger sister had said that she said, you know what, people are watching you and they want to be, you know, like you or better themselves to, to accomplish what you're accomplishing right now. They want to be a part of your story. She said, so, you know, this is why you need it. And, um, and so I says, well, yeah, I guess if you'll manage it and take care of it, sure, sure. Do, you know, do whatever. But, but I think you are right, Cody. I, um, uh, I, I'd never really thought about that. Um, but hopefully anybody watching me when they do watch that, that they can say, well, yeah, look, she rides real quiet. She's not just so aggressive and just whipping the tar out of that horse or whatever. And, and I, you know, that's what I really work towards is just staying nice and quiet and letting that horse work underneath me. And the thing is, they know their job. We're, we're just an inhibitor half the time. And um, when, you're, when you have a horse that is kind of that finished and they know exactly where they need to be. Um, it's, it's just as pretty as a picture and smooth as silk. And and that's the goal to help it look that way. And, and, and hopefully I inspire some of these young gals to look and say, Oh, you know what? I can do that. Or I can teach my horse to do that. Or, you know what? Riding bareback. Sure. I want to, you know, improve my balance and, um, you know, not to pull on my horse's mouth to balance. And, um, they just recently did a a little bareback race here in town and I was out of town, so I missed it. But, um, prior to, um, I, I told the gal putting it on, I says, you know, let me do a little bareback instructional video just to sometimes those little pointers make a big difference. And, um, so we, we made a little video about just kind of safety while riding bareback and then different, um, techniques so that you're not pulling on the horse's mouth. That's usually most people's mistake when they're riding bareback, they're balancing on the reins, um, instead of using their body to balance and working on their core strength. And so um, hopefully that, you know, touched a few people and they learned a few tricks and um, can, you know, find themselves being, you know, in some success and uh, can progress. Where can people see that video at that you made? You know, I think she shared it on Facebook. It's on YouTube, actually. So I think I put it under instructional video of riding without a saddle or something like that. I, I should probably know those details. but um, Well, we'll try to stick it on there at the end of the video for everybody to see. They can check it out themselves. <laughs> they can check it out themselves. Well, Jimbo, you got anything else for Winda today? Well, I'd just like to thank her for coming in and putting up with us tonight. But 
Cody, we all watched the national finals last December, and, and it was on RFD, Cowboy Channel, Cowboy Channel Plus, and it was streaming. I don't, never did hear what the numbers were, but it had to be unreal because people hadn't got to see much rodeo, and they were wanting something to watch, you know. So I know the numbers were big. And, and every night for 10 nights, we heard Wendy Johnson, Pahusco, Oklahoma, Tyler Milligan, Pahusco, Oklahoma. That was pretty cool, and I think they'll keep Pahusco on the – Rodeo map for a long time, I hope. I hope so. It was sure a pleasure to represent Pahuska and especially the history that's involved and the rodeo history. This is just such a great area, and I'm so grateful that we live here. And we've been here just over three years, and, and I love being here. This is a great area. It's got a lot of great people and a lot of um, a lot of culture. And so I definitely was proud to represent Pahuska and um, was hopeful that, to make this town proud. Well, I think you did. Thank you. Not only made us proud, you made the whole state of Oklahoma proud, Wenda, and uh, we were just we're we're still really proud of you. Number three in the world, local girl, Pahuska girl, right now. Um, we're all walking around with our chest boat out for you, right mm-hmm. around here, Wenda. We're all very very proud of you, Thank and you. Uh, and every all your accomplishments. We're proud of you, and and the way you live life, and the kind of person you are, uh, makes everybody. Very, very proud of you, and uh, I can see lots of little girls out there wanting to be a Wendell Johnson, all right? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I can that. sure see it, and I wouldn't mind if you're a role model for my little girls because you're one of the best I've ever seen. If you want to find out more about Wenda right here, we got a great little display to her right here at the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum. She's one of the best horse jockeys in the world, period, bar none, national finalist rodeo. <laughs> Barrel racer sitting third in the world right now, and let's let's bring that gold buckle home to Pahuska this year, Winda. Let's do it. Okay. Well, I will do my best. That's what it comes down to. Just do my best and go to thirty-five rodeos and just do it. Yep. Or none. She'll get it done in thirty-five. <laughs> thirty-five rodeos for Winda this year, Jimbo. I believe that'll get it done. All right. Hey, we'll see everybody next week from right here in Pahuska, Oklahoma. This has been Cowboys of the Osage with. Cody and Jimbo and Wenda today. See everybody next week. That's good.